0: I understand now, just in hindsight, that all the times that I felt especially lonely and I especially craved the validation of somebody else to talk to in this way or even just to see me, that I actually didn't need that the way that I thought that I did. And the part of me that thought that I needed that needed to be attended to with love. Like this was my becoming and it was right for me to be isolated for that time because I needed to be very aware of the strength that I had alone and the conviction that I had it's nobody else's conviction and it's it's not right to impose that onto anyone else or to need anything from anyone else I can actually just connect and channel this and that's my best work
1: Hi, I'm really glad you're here and that you made time for yourself today for this. Because I think this is one of those episodes that could actually change your life. Ange Miller and I are two people who live on opposite ends of the planet and yet share a vision for creativity and for our role and our relationship with creativity. And I'm extremely excited to introduce you to her. But before I tell you a little bit more about Ange and the episode it's winter here in Canada. I think it's really natural to feel sort of stuck and a little bit quieter in wintertime. But I have been feeling a little bit more stuck and a little bit more quiet lately than than usual. Uh, I haven't really known how to deal with it. I won't say what I've been going through is a full-on depression, but it sure feels darn close. But you know, we go in and out of these cycles in our life, right? Where we're with the ups and the downs. And I know enough now to know some of the tools that I can turn to when I start to go through a, a thing like that, a spell like that. And one of them is journaling. Journaling is something that Ange really talks about a ton and I think had a huge impact on her own transformation and her own journey in her life, which we'll get into in the episode. But I got up really early one morning this week and I sat down at my journal and, you know, I was feeling kind of lost. Like I didn't even know what to write about. You know, those days when you're not even sure what you're not sure about. And so I just started writing. And about a page in, the tone of the writing changed. It was almost like something took over my hand. And the words that I'm about to share with you came out. The block you have is not a physical thing. And it does not require years of work or any complicated process to resolve. All you need to do is begin to listen. Really listen. Watch and really see. Look for all the coincidences, moments of strange magic, inexplicable gifts, and write them down. Touch the earth with your bare skin, but only every day. Listen, strain to hear what the thing that holds the silence of an early dawn sounds like. Do the thing you love to do as often as you can at least once a day and run, dear one, run as fast as you can toward the thing that scares you the most. And as soon as I finished writing that down, I immediately knew I had to share that with you. There's a little bit more about that on the blog. There's actually a blog post where I've written that down for you and wrote a little bit more about journaling. And you can go and read that, kateshepardcreative.com and just head over to the blog. Ant and I share a mission in life. And that is to be catalysts for the emergence of creativity in people everywhere. I see my work not only helping people connect with the creativity that's inside them, but helping create ways for creativity to connect with the people that it wants to move through. It's a two-way street. You know, we talk about the muse and the flow state and, and inspiration. And this isn't something that just happens to you. It's something that gives itself to you. And then it's your job to learn how to receive and translate and ultimately transmit the gift that it created through you and put it back out there in the world so that somebody else can be inspired and then go off and do the same thing. And then that cycle just sort of keeps repeating. So Ange and I have a really deep conversation about this process. And about some of the things that hold us back, things that we've learned through our education system and through our social conditioning. And just things we've developed in order to survive this crazy ordeal of being a human being with a body in this crazy world. I want to share a review with you. This is from an artist whose work I've admired for years and we've never met. I don't know how she found out about the show. But reading these words from her made me squeal with delight. And so I want to share them with you. It was written by a woman named Jodi Ohl. And she writes, a new favorite. I'm a new listener and have quickly become a fan of Kate's interview style along with her warm and soothing style as she coaxes insightful stories from her guests. Artists and creatives of all types should pull up a chair or grab a brush and listen while you relax or work. I promise you will be a fan too. Jody, thank you so much. Words mean a lot to me. So thank you for taking a moment to share a review over an Apple podcast. And if you're listening to this and you have not left me a review yet, please go and do that right now. You have no idea the impact it has on me. It's so powerful for me to hear how this show reaches you. So please take a moment to let me know. You can do that over an Apple Podcasts, leave a review and some stars and make sure you're subscribed to the show while you're there. And I want to excitedly invite you to treat yourself to a Creative Genius Patreon membership. They start at $5 a month Canadian. And I have to say, I've browsed quite a few patrons over the years. And I can honestly say that at this price point, this is truly an amazing value for money. When you sign up, you'll instantly get access to a growing library of powerful resources. This is all thoughtful content that I create drawing on my now over four decades of being someone with a very strong relationship to an understanding of what creativity is, how it works, what it wants from us, and how we can better access it and cultivate it. Every other week I do private bonus episode. Sometimes it's an intimate talk and other times it's a powerful guided meditation or worksheet. And it's all designed to help you shift any feelings of stuckness that may be holding you back and learn how to cultivate a deeper flow of creativity in your life. By the way, when you do all of that, it spills over into every area of your life. It's quite amazing how creativity works. The feedback from people who've already signed up to become Creative Genius Patrons has been absolutely wonderful and uh, for the price of a latte each month you'll be giving yourself so much more than you might have imagined and you will be supporting me to keep creating the show I don't want to bore you with all the details but a ton of work and my own personal resources are currently going into creating the show and I do this out of a passion and deep love for creativity itself and for you Uh, but there's no one paying me to do this it's just me I don't have an outside sponsor, and I've intentionally done that for the time being. That little commercial that you hear in the middle of each episode is for my very own jewelry company, Morning Moon Nature Jewelry. Thank you to everybody who has become a patron, who has written in to let me know how much you're loving your membership. And to everybody else, I hope you'll give it a try. And I have a really strong feeling you would not regret it. You can go to patreon.com slash Podcast, or of course, kateshepardcreative.com. The episode you're about to hear is beautiful and is an incredible human being. And I think even if you just listen to this episode with your body, you don't even have to listen with your ears. I think there's a sort of energetic transmission in the conversation between us that will have a powerful impact on you. So you can just hit play and go about your day, listen to it while you're in the studio or while you're out for a walk, and you can listen to it over and over again. And I'm fairly sure you'd get something new from it every single time. Here's my conversation with Angie Miller. There's a part of me that wanted to call you
0: Angie. Where does that come from? You can, if you like, if that feels right. I think on American Idol, there was an Angie Miller at some stage. So I think it, my, my name's tangled up with that. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, so you're not that Angie Miller, but tell us about the Angie Miller that you are. Now that I'm 44, I'm starting to be a lot more excited about myself. Getting to the point where I'm undoing a lot of those programs that were very confusing. Being a young adult, like in my 20s, I couldn't really see myself. I needed a facade and I had to measure up, and that's a lot of work. I was obsessed with appearance and making sure that everything looked as though it was running right. But underneath, there was just so much insecurity and chaos, directionless, second guessing. It wasn't until probably my early 30s that I really started to take the ball by the horns and figure out who I really was. Because I was always painting, that was like an anchor for me. I probably didn't know it at the time, but that was the truest uh, part of me. Without knowing it, I my ego kind of wrapped itself around it. But underneath all of that there was something here that was uniquely mine and it was unfurling regardless of what was happening in my life. Like I could always come back to paint.
1: Even in the growing up with the needing to have the facade and because I think a lot of people can find themselves in that, right? Like this is how we're supposed to look and this is how we're supposed to sound and this is what we're supposed to do and the choices we're supposed to make. So much of our life energy is directed into this weird project of becoming this thing that, we didn't even sign
0: up for or want. Yeah, what even we- is that? And and you think that everyone else knows what they're doing? Uh-huh. I think a lot of this comes back to the education system, to the idea that this is what's required of you and you've got to reach this benchmark. It, it seemed as though everyone else knew what they were doing. <laughs> and I would rather not risk that exposure. <laughs> That I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm almost to the end of my schooling and I still don't know how to write an essay, but I'm not going to expose myself because <laughs> that's so embarrassing. It's just this patch together, like the best that I can do. I'll be okay, you know, <laughs> but then deep down, I'm, I don't know what I'm standing on. Yeah. And that, that, that really breaks my heart with the education system
1: when you were in school, did you know that you wanted to be an artist? Was there like a little voice or was it really an invisible voice and it was just kind of silently guiding you?
0: I don't think I ever said that I was going to be an artist. I was always drawing and painting. Our home life was just like that. We didn't have television for the most part growing up. I've got five brothers and one sister and we were highly creative. We were just always drawing together, you know, often On the same sheet, my mother had a big roll of butcher's paper and she'd just roll the whole big kitchen table with this paper and we'd figure out like little Where's Waldo kind of scenarios and just fill the whole thing with little characters. So, So drawing and that kind of expression was always vital. But I don't remember ever thinking I'm going to be an artist until possibly my time at uni when I was doing a BA in visual arts. But all the way through primary and secondary, I think I would have said that I was going to be a teacher. Okay.
1: To do the thing that you (laughs) thought you should do, like uh, an acceptable path.
0: I think because my mother was a teacher and I, I felt some kind of connection there with teaching. I was a natural mothering kind of person. I was sort of older than a lot of my younger siblings. And so I grew up in that role. The more that I felt excluded from the education system, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't cutting it. I wasn't, you know, I didn't know what I was going to be at the end of school. All my friends seemed to have this solid idea of I'm going to into journalism or I'm going to be a nurse or whatever. We'd have those career path advisory days with all the little booths. And like you go and find out about what kind of profession you want to you know what what your career path would be and someone can give you all that information i would just be there just completely bewildered i don't even know what <laughs> is there a booth for someone who doesn't know <laughs> no there were all these experiences that excluded me over and over and over again so insidious mm-hmm. the messaging of that is there's no place for you unless you take on some other kind of personal value, uh, you don't fit. And and there's no one here to even recognize uh, your unique value. So good luck. But also go figure
1: it out. You don't fit anywhere, but you have to go figure this out. Like go be successful. Go, right. So then there's this pressure. You're like, I don't know who or what I am or what my gift is or how to of service or because I think there's a yearning in all of us to be ultimately like when it all comes down to it at the end of the day what we really want is to help each other to be useful to be used to be Mm. to be seen to be in community to be like offering the little thing that you have there's a longing to to do that to give that but there's also then no support how do you figure that out because I think it's really easy when you're the one who feels that way to think I'm the only one who feels this way I'm broken
0: that's even more isolating
1: then the facade that you're talking about comes in. I better learn how to create a good mask that makes me look like I'm not broken. At least I can pass for a normal person or pass for somebody who who knows what's going on.
0: That's right. If I can't measure up, I'll at least look like I do. You might look like you're serene above the water, but like there's these little legs just constantly paddling. <laughs> yeah. <battling. laughs> yeah, because
1: there's this other intelligence inside of you, the one that's been there with you since the very beginning that's been whispering to you, here's what you're supposed to be doing. I believe it comes to you in these like ridiculous urges of like, I can't buy enough paint or I can't buy enough wool or I can't, you know, I'm always writing or I, whatever it is, the thing that you can't stop thinking about. like Those obsession type feelings, I believe, are creativity speaking to you, trying to guide you, trying to get you like, I'm going to tempt you with this idea that you can't get rid of. (laughs) beckoning,
0: Come close.
1: We shut that down. And then there's that yearning because that's the thing that we want to be connected to, arguably the most out of out of everything. And my great commitment, or my big intention, or the thing that I want to devote myself to over and over again, and I find myself devoting myself to it over and over again, is supporting the emergence of creativity itself, people everywhere. Yes. And Same. yeah, I know. And so, like when I <laughs> when I when I like started to get to know you, I was like, oh, we're.
0: We're on the same mission.
1: We're doing the same. Yeah.
0: <laughs> How cool is that? It's very cool. I love it. You've been living a parallel life.
1: So tell me for you what that's been like to, to to know that you've been like you've it's a call. I feel like it's a calling. I feel like creativity itself has said, Oh, here's mm. a channel that can hear me and that is yeah, ready right. to be used. And I'm gonna download a bunch of stuff over here and then she's gonna go off and open, you know, spread all these little bits of light and that it sounds really fun and romantic and it is it is and it's also for me it's yeah. been a, a tremendous responsibility and a huge exercise in trust for the universe like I don't know where this is taking me I don't it doesn't make money to do this kind of thing it, there's not it's not a day job yeah. this isn't a but this is a calling and I and I can't I know that I can't say no to it I know because I know what would happen to my life if I did. I wanted to just ask you, like, what what has your experience been of that, of, of having this sort of
0: calling in your life? Back at those career path advisory days, if I'd seen a booth that said, advocate for the creative identity of humanity, <laughs> I wouldn't have known that that was for me. Right. <laughs> so it's this little by little uh, immersion, I guess, into what this actually is and and I you know it was a tug of war because when I started teaching my techniques I had obviously unique art especially when the alcohol ink craze first started you know 5 6 years ago nobody was adding the things that I was adding you know it was very unique and I had a lot of people asking what's this what's this and and I had to really discipline myself to reveal <laughs> to say, mm. this is what it is. And I felt this tug of war because I was special with this, you know, and I was getting a lot of engagement and, you know, wow, like you feel like a God. <laughs> when I started to realise what this can mean to somebody else in their life, I had to just keep letting it go. And, and then I created a course that was telling everything, all the details right down to my mindset, which is probably the most powerful aspect of my creativity, essentially giving whoever wanted it a leg up into this, I guess it's like a portal into creativity itself. And I just know, I just know, I just know that when you connect to creativity, that it changes everything, that it's this buoyancy that that keeps you Buoyant regardless of whatever is going on in your life, no matter what drama, no matter what horrible things might be happening, and and life is painful. Life hurts. And like, who doesn't want something that's gonna keep them buoyant through that? Like, and it's it's not that you're going to be ignorant of what's going on or dismissive. It's just that you've got that extra strength, that extra reminder that there's something under your feet that it's going to be all right. You are who you are and nothing can take that from you. You are so valuable with the way that you see, the way that you decode things and your expression. You know, when I I started to understand myself as a receiver, a processor and transmitter, and nobody is going to receive and process and transmit the way that I do. I started coaching, so I'd work intensively one on one with women who were pretty much in the same boat had just been left feeling very confused as to their identity value what am i here for i just i can't do my life any longer like this and i just need something and something you said made me feel like you might have an answer <laughs> you know and we would work with using art, yeah, different modes of creativity through art making to, to start to unpack, like pull out all the all the packed up, stored up things inside inside the processor, because we we haven't learned how to process. We haven't learned the values of that internal processing system inside of us. And then, and then we're not confident with the transmitting. So it kind of gets all stacked up and all jumbled up together and then you don't know where to start. Like you feel like you want to do something. There's just so much here. I just feel overwhelmed to begin. So that's, I guess that's become my absolute passion because I have seen women's lives just completely flip. Like they're not the same when, you know, after that 12 weeks, Everything is opened up. There's this new grace, you know, just in their voice. And, oh, man, that blows my hair back. I'm getting shivers just talking about it. You know, what a gift that I get to do that. Oh, I never could have predicted. But this is the thing about creativity. If you are connected and strengthening that intuition a path will roll out before you that is too wonderful for you even to predict. Now that I know what this means, like when when you can when you can change somebody's day or their week or or give them a tip that like helps something flip that they've been stuck on. <laughs> it makes me so excited because I know what it means for me. You know, I know when somebody has said something to me that I, it's, you know, it really gets me thinking and it, it opens up a whole new paradigm that you can, ooh, I can just move over into this. <laughs> this feels better. This is expansive. I can feel myself. I can feel parts of myself that I haven't been able to tap into. And I am wonderful. And this is wonderful. And like, what a life. <laughs> and we need that kind of joy. I think just society in general, has been so deprived of joy. The kind of joy that comes from knowing what you are and what your mission is. You know it. Joy is fuel. I understand what you're saying. There's like a pathway that you're on where, like,
1: where you, emerged, you evolved into, into the position, into the role that you are now for people. It wasn't like you didn't just wake up one morning and go, I'm going to do this and then go build it. Like it kind of, you know, it happened. This episode of Creative Genius is brought to you by Morning Moon Nature Jewelry. Instantly familiar, yet unlike anything you've ever owned. This extraordinary handcrafted heirloom jewelry is famous for its incredible detail of actual textures from nature. Get 15% off your first order and feel the wonder. Use coupon code CREATIVEGENIUS at lovemorningmoon.com. How did you find your way to creating things that would reach people? Like, what, what was your discovery process like? And how did you? put it into a package that could help people.
0: It was really difficult for me because of the gaps in the education system for right brained people. We're not taught how to organize ourselves. And I don't I don't believe that that we're naturally disorganized. I just believe that we're naturally interested in something else other than organizing simply because the organization aspect wasn't presented to us in a way that was supportive of what we love, if it was introduced in that way, I would be the most organized person you could imagine and I would have all those skills, but I don't and I'm trying to implement <laughs> because otherwise you just float away. It was a very bit-by-bit process and it's, it's not linear at all. So it's actually difficult to describe how it happened. Okay. But it was just bit by bit and I think a lot of it was to do with feedback and listening to feedback and understanding the ripple that I am sending out because even just my painting is speaking in a way that is too deep for words. And when I understood that, when I understood that that my artwork was speaking too deep for words, Oh, that was such an exciting thought and And sharing my process seemed to be like it was just starting a contagion, a beautiful contagion. fill people with this this inspiration but I just wanted to create tools to help that process because it is a lot more simple than what we think. So many times we get overwhelmed, and it's almost like. We're intimidated by the overwhelm or intimidated by the right way to start. I don't know if I'm doing it the right way. See the education system thing coming back again? No, you just need to tap into your intuition. And I think that's been the most wonderful part of what I've discovered in teaching is helping women connect to their own intuition and strengthen that. Understanding the simple, very simple actions done consistently. That will enable that connection and enable that, that beautiful intuitive part of them. So I want to dig into this a little bit with you because it is
1: in everybody. And I, there's this like huge limiting belief that we hold culturally that intuition is just for certain people. And in fact, it might be a little bit woo woo and not, I mean, I think we're kind of emerging a little bit more out of that dark place, but a lot of people don't trust their own intuition and don't. And it, I feel like it is the most important navigation system in our lives available yep. to us. So how do you work with somebody who who's got a lot of stuff jammed up around that system inside them? How, wh- like what are the ways that you use to teach people to access their intuition?
0: I think simple activities like waking up before dawn and coming and watching the sky change, looking at stars, lying on the earth, like right with your face on the earth and smelling it. (laughs) Because these things are all about connection to the natural rhythms that are already there. From my experience, my intuitive muscle seems to be linked to all of that. So the more that you can relax into the natural systems, nature's so full of wisdom. So just Going onto the earth and just smelling it. How simple is that? Anyone can do that. But just stay there until you don't feel like an idiot and notice what comes up. You know, how do I feel? What do I remember? And a lot of it is to do with putting yourself into situations and noticing what memories and thoughts and feelings come up. So using experiences, I guess, in the opposite way to how experiences hurt me. In school, again, this negative messaging that what you have intrinsically isn't valuable. We don't care about it. We don't even, we're not even going to talk about it. You need to be like this and we're going to measure you this way with these values. That messaging really hurt me. And I didn't even understand at the time that I was being hurt like that. I wanted to go back
1: to something that you said a minute ago about how I've got this culture that causes us to constrict around ourselves so much in terms of like, if we were, if creativity was like a fire hose in us and it was like just wanting to come pouring out of us in our lives, the culture that we live in is this constricting thing. And it ends up, like you said, all jammed up inside and we don't know how to receive, decode and transmit, which I love. I love those, that kind of visual image. Cause that is, to me, I feel exactly that that's what's happening. What do you think are some really practical things that somebody who's resonating with that and feeling like, yeah, I I am really jammed up. What are some good broad first steps that somebody might take to, to unjam themselves? And I want to also say it mindfully, because I think somebody listening to this might be tempted to be like, okay, I'm going to go and like trigger some bad memories. And you can mm. actually, that that I don't want to say it's dangerous, but you have to be really careful when you're when you're playing with these parts of yourself, especially as you begin to open, right? Because there's tender, protected parts that are allowing you to see them, and it's really important that that's done mindfully. Yeah,
0: you need conditions of of love. Like that's that's the biggest thing that I've noticed. Love is the opposite of judgment, opposite of fear. So it's it's really only in love that anyone is safe to delve into these spaces. And and you can extend that love to yourself. And I do believe that when you do extend that love, that, that it starts a cycle pumping through. Where I started was journaling every day and just pouring out all the memories, thoughts. You know, my journals were just full of tears because all the collateral damage of insecurity over, you know, the course of 20 years, there's a lot of hurtful stuff from relationships and things can really pile up. So there's a lot to sift through and sort through and understand. It took a lot to extend that grace to myself to, to coax all of this stuff out. And it did take months and months of journaling before my daily entries were less whiny and more reflective and grateful. But I did see a big shift. When you do put pen to paper like that. With spontaneity, that's that's the thing. You're not you're not measuring up here. This is just a map. Like you're trying to make a map to figure out where you are and and how to move to the next. I
1: am a big advocate of journaling, and I'm thinking about the person right now who's listening to this, going, "Oh, I've heard about journaling, and I've dabbled with it a little bit here and there, but I've never really. I don't think I've maybe really done it, and I don't know how." For that person who just has no, you know, are you sitting down and, you know, dear diary, today I, or are you sitting down with a a prompt of, you know, go back to when I was 10 years old or like, what's a good way to kind of dive into journaling for somebody who hasn't really ever done it before?
0: Oh, I love your questions. <laughs> <laughs> You've got great questions. So journaling for me was about connecting with what is right now what's here? How am I feeling? I, I do this thing where I just, it's almost like with my eyes shut, I'll just sink as deep as I can go inside of myself and have a look down there. Does it feel yucky? What's down there? And, and I just start to unpack the actual physical feelings or the, you know, the gut kind of feelings first. Any observations about myself in my life in the days Am I feeling frazzled and like I'm not keeping up or, you know, and I just pour out whatever is. You just start where you are. You don't, like this is the thing too where we kind of feel like we've got to create something like, oh, how do you do this again? What's the right way? How do I start it? Oh, have, I, have I failed to include something important? <laughs> you know, do I need a prompt? And I guess prompts can be useful if you're really disconnected I just show up. I taught at university for 10 years. I had no idea what I was going to do, so I just downward spiralled into unemployment, addiction. Like for, you know, two, three years, I was just really stuck. And then uh, my lecturer said, hey, Ench, why don't you come into my painting class and help me? <laughs> because he knew, like, that was one of my things that I was good at was observational painting. And so there'd be a class of 20 plus students all trying to render something realistically. So I would come in and help them like really see it and really figure out how to render that. And it wasn't long before he would say this Andy Collis, I'm going to say his name because he's just a legend. He said, why don't you take a class? (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. Okay. So I started taking classes and then it wasn't long before I was the lecturer of that class and it was just the most wonderful, I can't tell you how providential that was because that was when I started to understand, oh, my gosh, people don't know how amazing their creativity is. They don't know that if you just show up and just lean in that it will meet them where they're at. They don't know this. It it just like supercharged my sense of of creativity and, and, and the way that it is all-encompassing with every aspect of our life. It rolls everything together and it's it, it kind of cuts out a lot of this context switching. And we get to learn lessons from this over here and apply it over there and the whole thing's just supercharged, you know. Because I had these students, I would be thinking through the week, oh, like now this, now they need to know that too. And and I would have all this stuff just bubble out of me to them at the beginning of the class to the point where they would say, don't be late or you're going to miss the meaning of life. <laughs> but we just had so much fun. I felt like I was really shepherding them. You know, I really loved them. And I noticed every semester as I had a new intake of students, I just had so much love for them right from the start. So our, our art class wasn't just art class it was life class yeah. <laughs> and I didn't mean it to be that way but it just was <laughs> <laughs> when you were speaking just now what was coming through me was feeling that, that
1: there are people listening I can feel them there are people listening to this right now going okay when she said that people don't know how amazing they are could could she have been including me Like, am I amazing? Oh, yes. No, I'm not. Everybody who's having that, almost everybody who's having that thought right now is going, well, she didn't mean me. She means everybody else, but not, like we do that to ourselves, right? And so I feel called right now in this moment to say, if you're having that thought, that's your sign that it is you. The the part of you that's even asking the question is the part of you that's trying to get your attention. Beautiful. you talk about it as like activation, people being, they have this amazing treasure. I think this is your language, this, this living treasure that's inside of us and it's ready to be activated. Can you talk a little bit about that process, about the, the point in someone's life where they activate and where these things start to come through and what somebody might expect? Because it's not all unicorns and flowers and sparkles. That can be a really challenging and beautiful, but can you talk about that time a little bit for, for people listening to this?
0: Yeah, I think when you've had enough of suffering for the lack of it, then that might be an indicator that it's time to just give that idea that there might be seeds inside of me. Well, what what can I do to check if there are <laughs> seeds? Because yeah. that's, that's how it feels to me too, the activation of a seed. But But for something to grow, it is conditional. There needs to be the right conditions. There's got to be the soil and the water and the sunshine and the the air. We can give this to ourselves. When you understand the simple ways to set that up for yourself, the simple way to extend love to yourself, because quite often that's the block that we don't love ourselves, that we don't understand that that the way we need to relate to ourselves is the way that you would relate to a small child. And, and really harness that critical talk. This is where journaling is powerful too. When you notice the thoughts, because thoughts are seeds mm. and a lot of those thoughts you don't want growing in your mm. life. So figuring out, well, I guess understanding that no matter whether you feel like you're a creative person or not, we all have a ripple out. We, we can't help it. Nobody is an island you know, and I hear people saying, well, as long as it's not hurting anybody, they can do whatever they want. Well, you can't actually, <laughs> because there's a ripple out. And, and even if you're isolated doing something that's destructive, I believe that like that affects the earth, it affects the, the energy, the, our energy field. And there's so much that we don't understand that's going on energetically, that if we did, we would have different values. I just love people. Mm-hmm. So if you're a human and you have ears and you're listening then that's that's you. That's you with the seeds with the treasure. And I don't think that treasure shuts up. There's very few things that I
1: know, but I do know that if you're breathing the same intelligence that's responsible for your automatic breathing without thinking about it is not yes. separate from the intelligence that wants to move your hand to create a beautiful painting or love a child or help an aged parent like that intelligence and it it is the intelligence that's animating the entire universe if you're breathing and arguably maybe even when you're not breathing anymore I don't know I can't speak to that part (laughs) (laughs) haven't been there yet but I know that if you're breathing you still have you're still in communion with and being guided by and have access to that intelligence and there there is there is a a moment when you become aware of that as a, like a conscious thought, you realize, oh, I'm being moved by an intelligence that's much bigger than me. And it's what you're talking oh. about when you say you can sort of lean back and it can hold you. You become aware of that. And I, I guess what I wanted to just point to again is that there can be a moment in your life or a series of moments, and it can look like a couple of years or whatever it is or happens over and over again. But that can be challenging. Like it, it can cause you to have to, there, you know, and I think about even with your analogy with the seed, Even when the seed is opening, like the shell of the seed has to be destroyed in order for the sprout to come out of the shell. So there is a certain amount of destruction even right there in the birth of the new thing. And so for people who are in that path right now of emerging... I think it can be really helpful to help them say, okay, and here's what to expect. Like, it's not all going to be, now you've found your voice and you trust everything in the universe and everything's going to fall into place and you're going to... And
0: you're going to have this amazing ripple out and everything, yeah, true. Right, like there's, what, yeah, what can we what
1: yeah. can we warn you about? Not warn you, but what can we give you a little a heads up about so that when it happens, uh, you're not panicking?
0: So much of suffering for us If we don't know how to see it or think about it, if we don't have enough uh, underlying meaning in our lives in order to decode it or, or grow from it, then we just get caught up in the pain of it and stuck. I honestly have to say that probably my biggest accomplishment in my life is learning how to suffer well. That's a big one. <laughs> Not resisting, conditioning myself to walk towards what I'm scared of and, and learning that when something is hurting me, instead of being in that reactionary part of myself, it's like I steal myself away out of this, this turbulent ocean of emotion and energy up onto the rock. <laughs> It'll be like a lighthouse or something and I'm standing up there watching it all and thinking, Hmm, what does this mean? Look how it's affecting me. Where did this come from? How does it feel? You know, all of those kinds of, it's very loving. Like, can you imagine a parent pulling a child out of a situation and just helping them ground? It's like that. But the more that I practiced that, the more I started to understand the fractals, the patterns in my life and the patterns that I observed in in humanity and other people. And, oh, this is where everything started to get really exciting because I think that's why I suffered so much in school as well because everything is fragmented. It's all fragmented in in our society. It's all boxed, you know, all separated. This is this and that's that and context switching takes a lot of time and energy, but really... In reality, everything isn't everything and we've just made it hard for ourselves dividing it all up bit by bit over the years. I can just see all the connections between everything now and it's a lot more connected than what we think, than what we're aware of. When we understand that too, it's like you can do something little here. Art is a great example. If you're working intuitively with art making here, it's going to affect the way that you relate to people over here. Like that is huge. That's powerful and how efficient. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not dissing therapy. I think there's a great place for it, but but you can give yourself a lot more therapy just with simple showing up and if you just know how to think about it, how to set up your mind, which values to assign to this experience, then you can be doing a lot more. Well, to, it's like going you know, to the gym. I mean, you could hire a personal trainer and go and see them,
1: you know, once every couple of weeks. But if you're not working out at the gym in between, it's going to take you a lot longer to mm-hmm. reach your <laughs> fitness goals. You know, creativity yeah. is the same way. And when you're, you know, you of course go to a therapist and work through some of these things and have a nice container. And, but all of these things you can do in between are the actual moments that build up that make up the,
0: Absolutely. And make it yours. Make it yours. Like you own it. And and I think that responsibility and that commitment is a huge part of where you get to as well. I'm just trying to sort of imagine like a day
1: in Angie's world. What do you so you do, do you get up at four o'clock in the morning and go and put your cheek on the grass in your front yard every day? Because you mentioned and so that's part again, it's a two part question. Mentioned earlier, and I wanted to go back to this about your mindset being most powerful. T- tools that you have or things that has changed your life. So I want to ask you to tell us a little bit about that. But connected to that, I think, is the sort of the context of that, which is your daily practices. What are the things you do to keep mm. you healthy and connected and growing every day?
0: Breathing well. That's a big one. I'm very intuitive in the way that I approach my days, but I also understand that if I don't have structure, I will just float away. <laughs> so I try to I try to have just some intuitive time. I do wake up fairly early, probably not four am anymore. But when I was when I was doing a lot of the processing, I would wake up at four thirty every morning because my children would wake up, you know, around six thirty seven, and I knew that I needed a good amount of time to really relax into that mode without thinking, oh, it's half an hour and I've only got half an hour left. <laughs> so I, even though I was so tired. Oh, It was like I was giving birth. I was working through stuff. I was doing a lot of praying and listening. And, and I was hearing very powerful things that I would write. Sometimes the things that I would hear weren't actually clear to me until later in the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is how I know it was not me. And later in the day, there would be some situation that would happen where I would just think, Oh my God, if I didn't hear that thing this morning, I would have reacted completely differently and flipped the boat, you know. I, I learned that this was this was a really important part of me moving through, like navigating what I was going through. And yeah, it was so helpful. <laughs> but just journaling, 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 just writing out, like showing up and writing and connecting and often letting like connecting with that intelligence and, and letting it speak through me. Cause sometimes I would read back on my words and just think, like, whoa, who said that? That's, a, that's, that's not me. That's too amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was, I was doing that a lot. It's your practice now. These days I'm a lot quicker. Okay. Like I, I wake up and I'm already there. I'm already there. And I just, it's almost like I, I just spend time. Like I, I'd imagine, um, when you have like your lover, your husband or whatever, and and you just wake up together and you're just lying in bed together and just chatting. It feels like that. (laughs) Like I I just wake up and I'm just there and I just spend that time. Sometimes I'll be, I'll I'll feel drawn to listen to something or look somebody up who I often listen to like, I don't know, podcasts or I don't know. (laughs) It's very intuitive. (laughs) I don't know how to really describe it. I guess it's a time of centering myself for the day. And and just having a little bit of a, a time of discovery. Like I might wander into my studio and just move some paint around as well. Not Not like actually painting anything in particular, just coming in and connecting, just connecting, just reminding my body that there's something inside that it can lean on. <laughs> That's the biggest part of it is reassuring myself, recentering. Sometimes I do go out, onto the, you know, barefoot on the grass and do my breathing and stretching, like facing the dawn (laughs) and just gratitude, practicing Mm. gratitude. And gratitude is not something that you just tell yourself. That's, that's not helpful gratitude. It's, it's really settling into, okay, what's going on? What's happened? What have I learned? What difference does that make? Oh my goodness. I'm so grateful for that, you know, and then really letting the waves of gratitude minister to every cell of your body. I think that's where we kind of cut ourselves short. Like I, I once had a mentor, this is a couple of years ago, he would guide me through these very, you know, using, using your imagination to kind of go into your soulscape and sort things out. And whenever I discovered something beautiful, he would say, no, stay there stay there. What else can you see? Like Mm -hmm. let all of that wash over your body. And so I learned to do that. And there's so much more, this is abundance. There's so much more available for us. And when you, when you research the cells of your body, it's like we have this little team (laughs) that we're often not practicing good leadership with. Like if you think of all the cells of your body as being willing team members who are all like, right, yeah, let's let's do this. And then you're like, oh, nothing works out for me. Oh, this is terrible. Oh, I have to do this thing again. Like, what are the cells of your body going to do with that? So it's like, it's like rallying the troops. You know, when we wake up first thing in the morning, it's like, come on, guys, there's something here for us. I can't believe we're already at the end of our hour.
1: I feel like we're 10 minutes in. I want to talk to you about mindset. I want to, I want you to give us the sort of overview of what is it you think that you do differently that yields such different results for you in your life that could be helpful for somebody else who's like, oh, I see that I have a mindset that isn't the best. What do I want to change it? What's another alternative? Because I think that's the thing with mindset is you have it and you don't even know what else is available mm. to you because you're looking through this lens. Yeah. And so to hear, well, here's how I look at it, and here's what my mindset looks like, I think can be helpful for people to realize, oh, there's another option for how mm. to see the world.
0: Absolutely. It, it just takes first checking the landscape, the landscape of your mind. So what kind of thoughts are coming up for you during the day? Are they thoughts that are making you feel like you're out of control, like insecure, um, judgmental thoughts? And, and you know, unhelpful judgment if if you don't feel like there's any way to go from this, like the unhelpful destructive judgment just stops you in your tracks and pushes you down. You know, good judgment will say this is what's going on and if you just tweak this, like you'll you'll fly. You know, that's, that's helpful judgment. <laughs> but most of us have a problem with unhelpful judgment. That's why we get so stuck and lose connection with ourselves. Yeah. So just keeping track, and this is why journaling is good too, mapping those thoughts that keep coming up. Because lots of times the moment that you shed light on whatever thought keeps popping into your head, it loses power over you. So the, the thought can often turn into an action or a word that isn't really authentically you. It's just you acting in a way that's panicked and freaking out. And that's not going to give you results in your life that are favorable. And like, you just don't want to do it. So figuring out the thoughts that are responsible for words and actions that are happening and just very lovingly shining a light on that and then if you notice a thought that's coming up that is destructive that's judgmental like what's the opposite of that thought cuz that's probably closer to the yeah. truth so re-landscaping the thought life and and feeding yourself truth and it might feel like it might feel a little bit clinical at first like it's not actually happening, but words are so powerful. Words are powerful. And if you say it over and over again, like me conditioning myself to, um, to move despite fear, like when I am afraid, I take a step closer. When I am afraid, I take a step closer. When I am afraid, I take a step closer. like just saying over and over again. And before you know it, there's this belief that grows inside of you. Like, yes, this is what I do. And I see what happens when I move this way. There are breakthroughs coming for us. Breakthrough after breakthrough. And I think we're made for that. I think figuring out the thought life responsible for the actions and words that are happening. That's what I'd say is the most important thing.
1: You realize that your life that you were living before wasn't fulfilling there was something more for you and the seed is now opened and you've got you know you're doing some of this work and then you and then you emerge into this new place of course you find your people you will find your people Mm. but there's a there's a little while where you don't have them yet and um Mm -hmm. for for the person listening to this going I feel like I'm 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 straddling two worlds. I'm leaving my old world behind and I'm about to step into this new world or have already stepped into this world or I'm being pushed into this world, whatever it is for you. Just want to remind everybody that there is, your, your people are coming and it can it can yes. feel lonely, but I think there's a wisdom in that loneliness because some, of, some yes. of the stuff you're doing right now, you can't do with all your friends around you. You got to kind of be alone for a yeah. little
0: Absolutely. As I love that you said that. What a beautiful note. I don't note. know where that came from. I, I think, <laughs> oh, I know. It's actually a very sacred time of becoming you for you, you know, because I understand now just in hindsight that all the times that I felt especially lonely and I especially craved the validation of somebody else to, to talk to in this way or to, even just to see me, that I, I actually didn't need that the way that I thought that I did. And the part of me that thought that I needed that needed to be attended to with love. Like this was my becoming and, and it, it was right for me to, to be isolated for that, for that time because I needed to be very aware of the strength that I had alone and, and the, the conviction that I had. It, it's nobody else's conviction and it's it's not right to impose that onto anyone else or to need anything from anyone else i can actually just connect and channel this and that's my that's my best work A tendency to reach out and is almost like a crutch right it's like the
1: part of you that doesn't really yeah. want to grow or is too scared to grow
0: exactly wants to, it will stop it you will from it will stop growing. you and
1: what you who you're really waiting for is you that's the that's yes. the friend you're actually really waiting for in those moments
0: That reminds me of one of my favorite quotes that says, um, let me fall if I must fall. The one I am becoming will catch me.
1: I want you to tell us where people can come to find more about you and uh, online or what's the best place for people to go?
0: (sighs) My website is but I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm trying to be a bit more on Pinterest. And are you doing coaching? Do you still do that kind of work with people or retreats yeah. or? Okay. So t-
1: tell us a little bit about how people can work. Okay.
0: So on, on my website, you'll see everything there, but I do coaching. I have online courses. I even have online courses that are kind of my coaching, but packaged as a course in case that's not something that, you know, it's sometimes a bit of a stretch to get one-to-one coaching. So I do have uh, courses as well. I've made a lot. I've made a lot of content. <laughs> so just, I, I also have a free class if you wanted to just start, dip your toe in there, and get a feel for it. I've got a free class. At the end of every episode, I
1: ask everybody the billboard question for the new listener who hasn't heard the show before and who's just like, what's the billboard question? If you had a billboard that you knew was going to reach every person who ever sort of had this yearning to access this intelligence, yearning to be creative, yearning to open and activate and be connected with themselves and love themselves and love creativity and just be in the world the way that they were born to be, meant to be. But they just, because of all the conditioning we've talked about, because of all of the crunched up stuff that happens to us as people just living lives in this world, They don't believe that it's available to them, but this, they were going to read this billboard and your message was going to go like right into their heart and they'd hear you. What would you put on it for them to hear?
0: It's by David Bentley Hart and it's wisdom is the recovery of innocence at the far end of experience. There's a lot of hope there because you can recover your innocence. That's often what we grieve Mm that lost innocence, but it, it can be made into something new and be all the more beautiful for having been so sad.
1: Thank you for coming today. Thank you for Thank having me. Thank you for me. being my, what yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that I-
0: I want to come and visit you. I, I, well, we'll
1: get, I was going to say, I'm going to get your phone number and we're going to text each other and we're going to figure that out because yes. I want to make that happen.
0: Because we're sisters. We're sisters. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. Appreciate you.
1: That was an absolutely powerful episode on every level, if you ask me. Ange has this incredible relationship to intuition and trust for the universe. You know, we didn't get into it, but she's been through a lot in this life, like all of us. And yet there's this unwavering trust in her that the universe has her back. She can tune in and listen and be led a great deal of that trust is something that she cultivated herself through her journal practice. So if you take one thing from this episode today, I hope it's a spark of inspiration around starting your own journal practice. Because it's one of those things we hear about in all the self-help books and all the inspirational speakers and all the manifestors and Across all kinds of different coaching and disciplines around life improvement, self improvement, we hear the power of journaling and we resist it. The part of us that resists it is the part of us that actually wants us to stay small and to stay stuck and to not explore some of these bigger, miraculous things that are actually available to us. If you start a journal practice or if your journal practice has been reinvigorated by something you heard, Ange say today, please let her know and let me know. You can do that by tagging us in one of the comments on Instagram at Kate Shepard Creative or at Ange Miller Art. We'd really love to hear about your experience with journaling. And again, a special thank you to Ange for joining us today. It was and continues to be an honor to know you. Thank you for everything you bring to women everywhere, specifically women who are trying to get back in touch with this deeper part of ourselves. We really appreciate you. Make sure you're signed up for my newsletter. I pick a random person from my email list once every month and send them an original piece of my artwork. It's one of my favorite things to do. It takes a lot to put together this show. Please consider supporting me to do it. You can visit patreon.com slash Podcast to find out more. And please keep my jewelry or paintings, and especially Gratitude Birds, which keep selling out, in mind next time you're looking for a treat for yourself or for a loved one. You can find everything I've mentioned on KateShepherdCreative.com. Thank you for being here, for opening your heart, and for listening. My wish and intention for this show is that it reach into your heart and stir the beautiful thing that lives in there. May you find and unleash your creative genius.